What's up, guys? Small disclaimer for today's episode. This is Frank. And Cynic. This episode, we're going to be talking about psychedelics. We want to go ahead and inform everyone that we're talking about our personal experiences. And in no way, shape, or form are we encouraging anybody to go ahead and do something they feel they shouldn't do. Exactly. That's the most important message we want to get out now. If you are underage, please just take this as something interesting to listen to. Don't go ahead and experiment with anything. Let yourself fully develop before you get into anything like this. And if you are of age, don't jump in either. Do your research. Know what it is you want. Understand what it is that you are going through. And if you decide to go on that journey, do it safely and enjoy it. Well said, man. Most importantly, timing is everything. So if you don't feel like there is even an urge to personally dive yourself into it, it's totally okay to just learn about it. With that being said, we hope you enjoy the episode. Let it ride. Here it is. This is dedicated this to you, is dedicated my friends, to you, is dedicated my friends, and to all the brave souls who entered the door in the wall, only to find themselves on the other side. On the other side. My, what a peculiar place to have a party. You know, Dino, we really shouldn't be doing this. After all, we haven't been invited, and curiosity often leads to trouble. We've taken LSD. About four times. Where did you get it from? Well, you know, I mean, if I was to say where I got it from, you know, it's illegal and everything. It's silly to say that. Don't you believe that this was a, a matter which you should have kept private? Mm, but the thing is, you know, that I was asked a question by a newspaper. And the decision was whether to tell a lie or to uh, tell him the truth, you know. I decided to tell him the truth. But I, I really didn't want to say anything, you know, because if I had my decision, uh, you know, if I had it my way, I wouldn't have told anyone, you know, because I'm not trying to spread the word about this. But the man from the newspaper is the man from the mass medium, you know. I'll keep it a personal thing. If he does too, you know, if he keeps it quiet. But he wanted to spread it, so it's his responsibility, you know, for spreading it, not mine. But you're a public figure, and you said it in the first place, and you must have known that it would made, wouldn't have made the newspapers. Yes, but to say it, you know, is only to tell the truth. I'm telling the truth, you know. I don't know what everyone's so angry about. Well, do you think you have now encouraged your fans to take drugs? I don't think it'll make any difference, you know. I don't think my fans are going to take drugs just because I did. You know? but the thing is, that's not the point anyway. You know, I was asked whether I had or not. And then from then on, the whole bit about how far it's going to go and how many people it's going to encourage is up to the newspapers and up to you, you know, on television. I mean, you're spreading this now at this moment. This is going into all the homes, you know, in Britain. And I'd rather it didn't, you know. But you're asking me the question. You want me to be honest. I'll be honest, you know. But as a public figure, surely you've got a responsibility to lots of No, it's you've opinions. got the responsibility. You've got the responsibility not to spread this now. You know, I'm quite prepared to keep it as a very personal thing. We are back. 
No stone unturned. Yes, we are. What up, Cynic? No stone unturned. No stone unturned. It's your boy Frank, Mr. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, aka that boy, aka Superfly, aka Smooth as Ice, Twice as Nice, Backdoor. Let's get it. All right, that was a lot, but and I'm with Cynic. <laughs> what up, Cynic? And Cynic. <laughs> aka Cynic. Aka that boy Cynic. Hey man, I'm excited for this for this episode. What we got in store today? Yeah. We got some good stuff coming. It's gonna be fun, man. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's a long time coming. When we talked about um, a second season, so this was back in season one. Uh, when we talked about a second season and bringing on guests, um, this topic and uh, this guest was the first that I that popped in my head. And since then, we've been been trying to to arrange it and make this happen. So I'm really excited about it too. We're gonna actually play the interview a little later on in the show. Unfortunately, I was not available for the interview. But Cynic, I'm so glad that I have somebody like you as a co-host because you did an outstanding job. Your friend Sen was outstanding. I'm bummed that I couldn't make it, man. But hopefully, she'll be a friend of the show, and I'll catch her on the rebound. But you guys got a real treat coming for you, man. But before we get into that, Cynic. I want to get into a couple of our segments, and I want to get into a little quicker because we we know that this uh this episode might be a little longer, so I want to be conscious of that. Um, and I want to get right into Florida Woman if you're okay with it, man. We get rolling. Let's here. rock. I got a good one here. All right, Florida Woman shoots husband in testicles after he tried to take her air conditioner. Oh. <laughs> Why? Oh, man, I love Bye. it. I love it. This is fresh off the block. So the Florida woman accused of shooting her husband in the testicles is back in jail after failing to show up to court. Police said Kimberly Dunn, 35, lost her cool when her husband and his brother came to her Lake City home last year to pick up an air conditioning unit that she was trying to sell on Facebook. The couple were going through a divorce at the time. According to the report, Dunn sat on the unit to prevent the two men from taking it. When her husband tried to get her off the AC, she tried to fend him off with a stun gun, then fired around at her now ex-husband's testicles using a handgun. Yo. <laughs> her husband's brother was able to restrain Dunn and take his brother to the hospital. Police said her husband picked up the gun and brought it to the hospital with him. Dunn was arrested that day and booked into the Columbia County Jail without incident. She later told investigators she did not intend to shoot her husband. She only wanted to scare him. Mm -hmm. On Thursday, Dunn was jailed for failing to show up to court and now faces additional charges of contempt of court. So... <laughs> that was... That hurts. Even, like, it still hurts just hearing it. <laughs> I can't. You know how bad Jesus it is Christ. just getting kicked in the nuts. Exactly. That's why I'm thinking of a freaking uh, high-velocity projectiles <laughs> blasting one of them into oblivion. Straight up Tupac, man. Remember Tupac had one testicle. He got shot in, he got shot in the nuts. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, no, I, I didn't. He, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, it's uh, the tsunami effect of pain, right? Because first, and this is just getting kicked in the nuts, right? First you get kicked in the nuts. Then your nuts send a message to your brain about three seconds later. It's you know it's not right away. You're like, oh, I'm, I might get away. Oh no, there it is, and and that's just getting kicked. So getting shot in the testicle, I can only imagine over a freaking air conditioning. I guess I'm assuming they went half on the AC. She was trying to set it on Facebook. He wasn't having it. He tried to go pick it up. Bang bang. First try to hit him with the stun gun, then uh, shot him in one of his testicles. So. Come on, That's man. Florida woman for you, man. Keeping it spicy, keeping it interesting, you know. Uh, you guys can't handle weapons over there. You, you really got to get it's. You guys have those things like toys. 
It's like candy, man. Yeah, get them out of your hands. We got the right to. We got the right to bear arms. So we got. Yeah. And shoot each other in the testicles. Doing a great job with. In that, all right? seriousness, gun laws do need to be revamped here in the states. I don't think we should lose our right to bear arms because I like, I like that amendment, right? Personally. But I do think that that system needs to be revamped because when there's little kids walking into schools with high-powered assault rifles and um, doing a lot of damage, I mean, right up the road, it's nation nationwide news, right up the road for me, about 15 minutes, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, the last um, mass shooting that, that we've had in the nation that was um, on February 14th of all the days. So I know we're making light of it, but we do need to fucking look at that because when, when it's that easy... There's something wrong. And especially when mental health comes into play. But mm-hmm. she was strapped. She shot him in the testicles. He's one less down. But um, I don't know. For, for all I know, for all we know, they'll probably get back together soon. Yeah, that's uh, what I would expect. Apart from the course. The makeup sex will be great. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> so let's move on to some happier topics. Let's get them. Fun fact. <laughs> Here you go. Project MK Ultra is not a conspiracy theory, but in fact, actual history. The CIA developed this mind control program unofficially in 1950 and was sanctioned in 1953. The project lasted until 1973 officially. So 20 years this project was going. LSD was used extensively on thousands of unsuspecting members of the population. Even within the CIA, drinks were often spiked at the agency's gatherings to test the outcomes on intelligence officers. It was not uncommon for invitees to bring their own drinks as they soon became aware of this practice and quickly learned to mistrust the catering service. So this is real deal. The CIA had this project and they were really dosing people with LSD to test the effects. And it goes way beyond it's uh, way beyond the example that I just read of them dosing their own. Um, you can find stories of them uh, luring uh, people into so-called uh, parties and um dosing them there and watching how they reacted behind a uh, like a two-way mirror <laughs> recording <laughs> this was all being done to a completely unsuspecting public like lab rats like lab rats yeah mk ultra look it up i've heard of that before that's really fucked up because if you don't <laughs> know what's here's the thing if you understand that you're ingesting something and it's going to take you somewhere I think mentally you're much more prepared for what you're about to encounter, right? Yeah, of course. But when yeah. you're giving somebody, when you're giving something to somebody, especially something like LSD, which I've never experienced personally, but I know that it's it's you know one of the strongest psychedelics out there, with the exception of ayahuasca, when we get into that stuff. But you know, it's it's up there with 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 the big boys on the block. When you're giving somebody something as serious and as strong as that, when you're giving that to somebody unknowingly, mm-hmm. that could create a mental break, man. Because they can't explain what's going on. Yep. If you know you're going into it, you're all right, I'm going to see some crazy shit. Everything's going to be all right. But if you're just easy peasy, lemon squeezy, drinking some water, and all of a sudden you start seeing fucking elephants, 
<laughs> yeah. So I think that's pretty fucked up. But yeah. very interesting. It, it absolutely was. Absolutely was. But that's just one example of the kinds of things they did to an unsuspecting public back in those days. And um and part of this part of this project and, and then we can we can move on was about um mind control. Mm. Like testing how they could start you know implement something like mind control and the lsd was was what they thought they could use to to like uh, initiate that and control it so there you go Crazy remember you, you mentioned before in in one episode before about the manchurian candidate, the manchurian candidate mm-hmm. right yep uh, yep that's right up the block man it's right up the block all right well thanks for freaking me out now i'm always now i'm always going to take my <laughs> cup of water with me when i leave the room <laughs> Bring your bring your own drinks. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> but let's get into it, man. Let's get into this episode's meat and potatoes. Yes. You know, the, the spine of this thing. And like I said earlier, it's this uh this really great interview that we captured with you and your friend Sen. I'm really excited to to listen to it and I'm I'm excited to show it to the people. Cynic. Absolutely. That's right. Awesome, man. Let's get into it. Hello, Sen. Hey, what's up, Cynic? Hi. So let me just tell the folks a little bit about you. Zen is a lifelong immigrant and traveler who found solace after discovering the term third culture. She started her journey on this planet in Daqing, China, as a result of the political unrest following the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacres. Her family sought to make a new home in Canada. Since then, her path has led to her living in Calgary, Montreal, Wuhan, and Berlin. Wuhan. Mm, Interesting. Sen is a storyteller who believes that when we tell our histories, we find the lost threads that lead us back to ourselves. By retracing our memories, we draw the through lines of meaning that lead from the past to the present and draw us forward to the future. Sen has her own podcast as well. It's called Beyond Asian. Stories of the Third Culture. Um, and it's her way to begin reapproaching her past, aided by the bravery and wisdom of her diverse guests who carry their third culture Asian stories with ownership and pride. Welcome, Sen. Thank you so much for that introduction. It's always interesting to have your bio read back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've not experienced that yet. I don't even have my own bio. So. <laughs> <laughs> But that is pretty cool. Yeah, I was uh, stumbling around your website, which is really cool, by the way. Thank you so much. There's a lot of things on that website that I was like, oh, I didn't even know that's possible to do on yeah. a website these days. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's quite a creative experiment. I was really lucky to have a team of creative designers make that website for me because they all believed in the Beyond Asian project. So um, mm. for anyone who wants to check it out, beyondasian.com, um, 3D animations, including embedded Spotify links to all of our episodes. Absolutely. Do that. Check her out. Really cool site, really cool podcast. So today, Sen, we're going to be talking about psychedelics. And uh, it's an interesting topic i think for <laughs> for many reasons oh, but for also lots of people <laughs> for lots of people also personally uh for me so i came into the world of psychedelics fairly late in the game and actually came into that world stepped into that world thanks to you you were a uh someone who were able was able to give me some you know information on how you know what what is this like what is it about what to expect 
Um, so you've been kind of um, maybe a bit of a guru for me in terms of wow. how to. <laughs> yeah, it, it. I know it may sound weird to hear it, but it's it's a it's the truth. Like I've always been interested in it. Well, always. I mean, for many many years, I've been interested in it. Um, but I've only ever read about it, heard about it. I've never, mm -hmm. you know, knew anyone who had experiences and, you know, was even in that world. And I much, much less if I would make such take such a journey, like what would I expect? I never knew anyone who I could have such a conversation with, you know. So it was really cool. We met through through a mutual friend. And and when we met, we found out that we have quite a few, you know, we had a few things in common besides interest in psychedelics. You know, the other thing was podcasting so it was podcasting it was yeah. really it was really cool <laughs> well i i'm quite honored to have been the person to help you along your own journey because so many people have helped me along my journey and you know the uh, the status of guru is one that i'm like ah come on you know <laughs> everything that i know i learned by reading by accessing resources that are available to pretty much anybody um mm. and by talking to people you know mm. so um yeah, anyone can learn about this if they want to. Yeah, but you know, I, I mean, I, I understand the, the, the term might feel a little bit too much, too heavy. But in a way, <laughs> we're all kind of like teachers for each other, right? In in some small way, in you know, some ways, maybe smaller, some ways bigger. But we all know, we all learn different things. And even when we don't realize it, we're, we're you know, we're kind of teaching each other, you know. And you were definitely uh, that for me and and still are. So... Um, I really do appreciate that. I'm glad that we 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 met, you know, that we connected. Really cool. Well, and here I am on your show. And here you are. We finally <laughs> got you on the show. <laughs> we, we were talking about that uh, just before we started. You know, the plan was to when when we were start when we started talking, Frank and I, about having uh, guests on the show. Uh, you were the first person I thought of. And you, and you were you were meant to be the first official guest on the show. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't get you on first, but uh, yeah, that was my fault. That was my fault. Life got in the way. <laughs> yeah, well, for us as well. But um, we're really glad to to have you on now. So let's uh, let's dig into this this complicated topic. Can you tell me like? How did you get introduced to it or, or, or and how did you get introduced to it and why? Like, how did that journey start for you? You know, I was trying to trace it back to the moment of inception. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, of course, um, so our society and our culture is so influenced by psychedelics. And I didn't realize that until I experienced psychedelics for the first time. And I also came late into the game. I had my first psychedelic experience um, when I was 31. And, but prior to that, you know, you hear about things, right? You hear about LSD, acid, mushrooms, ayahuasca, you know, that's just mm -hmm. in the culture and, you know, it's in the media, it's in the storytelling, you know, you watch movies and there's, you know, references to, you know, to like, uh, psychedelic patterns or like, you know, certain kinds of music or, you know, um, books and literature that were inspired by psychedelic experiences. And so just growing up in, um, in Canada, uh, it's, it's just kind of like always there if you're in tune with it. Oh. Um, but um, the first time that I became really interested in it was, I, I'm trying to remember if this was a video that I watched in high school or if it was um, like around that time, around like 17 or 18. But I remember there was this 
this black and white video from the 1950s that was shown to me. I want to say that it was shown to me by a high school teacher, but I feel like that probably wouldn't have happened (laughs) (laughs) back then. Um, But the video was of this um, experiment that they did back then, like around the 50s or the 60s. And it was like professor in a lab coat um, with this housewife, um, like prim and proper housewife. And they, at that time, they were conducting research into psychedelics. And that time, psychedelics hadn't been listed as Schedule One drugs yet by the government. Um, and so there were a lot of creative directions as to like, what are, what are these substances and how can they be used and what are the effects on people? So they were conducting like, you know, regular clinical trials. And the backstory of this, of this video was that the scientists had um, kind of like made a call out to housewives, you know, to various people who um, would have been suitable for testing the effects of LSD. And then they picked, you know, a couple. And this video showed um, this professor in a lab coat with a glass of water, uh, which mm-hmm. he had dosed with LSD. So this is all consensual, right? Okay, was, so like, they knew about a, this. <laughs> they, she knew about it. She knew what she was getting into. And like, right. she, I, I'm pretty sure that she wouldn't have known what would have happened to her. Because how can anyone describe uh, a psychedelic experience? Um, but just like something, you know, was what piqued her into uh, her curiosity, and so she volunteered for this experiment. She sat, you know, and the thing is, like at the beginning of the video, she's like she's so rigid and tight and controlled, you know, just like sitting there, like really clenched in in the chair, and the um, the professor administers the LSD. She drinks the glass of water, and um, and then you jump forward like half an hour mm-hmm. uh, into the video and she's starting to feel the effects and she's starting to like, you know, think like, hmm, I feel a bit, a little bit of like something. I feel a bit of tingling, you know, in the back of my throat or a bit of warmth in my chest. Um, and then you fast forward another hour and she's like more relaxed and she's like, I'm starting to see some waves in the air. And then you cut forward to like another 45 minutes and she's like, there's something so beautiful right there in the corner. Wow. I can... I can see it approaching me. It's it's coming for me. Like there's so many things that are alive in this. I mean, she's just like totally immersed in this experience, and um, and then you fast forward another like you know 45 minutes, and she's like, I'm just like a part of everything. You know, there's energy emanating from everything. And she looks at the professor. She's like, but not you. <laughs> but everything else is emanating this special energy and it's coming from me. And it's so beautiful, and um, and you know you just like watch this this video. And you're, you know, I just found myself so transfixed by this, um, this woman who is having like such a, a beautiful experience, um, and just how much she opened up and loosened into, uh, into herself Mm -hmm. as she was experiencing the substance, just seated in the same chair. Like she didn't move, you know, she was just seated in the same chair and you've got like the professor taking notes the whole time and she's just like having the best time. And I watched that video and I was like, I want to have that experience. That sounds so interesting. Wow. Um, and so that was like when I was like 18 or so. And that was just like, it just marked, I, you know, I marked that experience in my memory and the, I, I never actually had a chance to to try mm-hmm. the substance until like, you know, 13 years later. And that, and that, but, and 13 years later, that was, uh, that would have been what, LSD, what you tried? That? Yeah. So, okay. so, so my first, yeah, my first experience with, uh, was with LSD. Um, which is the one that I, I wanted to experience in the first place. But I was curious about a lot of things. Actually, no, no, let me no. My first experience was actually with mushrooms. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, and old faithful uh, mushroom. 
<laughs> good old faithful mushrooms yeah and that was that was also like a, a really um beautiful and and very um guided and contained and safe experience that i had with uh, a group of friends um in montreal uh, so just like a really positive um like you know wholesome experience and very interesting so that's so yeah that's so cool there there are a lot of things that you 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 mentioned there that i was just like oh i, I want to talk about that i want to talk about that talk. <laughs> like like one of the things was when you when you were talking about her um this this woman who was administered lsd by by the, the, the scientist or the researcher yeah. yeah yeah um and how you described how she was sitting there and kind of started to have all these uh, slowly have these experiences and i realized that the experiences that she had and i think we we both know you know we both know this that the experience you have has so much to do with where you are mentally and what your environment is like right at that particular wherever you happen to be and and i was just wondering or thinking it must have been she must have been well prepared yeah in terms of not in the sense of what to expect, but maybe um, in the sense of making sure she was sort of in a good place, yeah? Yeah. Not stressed yeah, yeah. or not angry or whatever. And the environment, I assume, maybe you can tell me about the video, but would have been also probably in a, a certain kind of way because I, I, I can tell you, so my first experience was obviously now also in my in my my God, I was going to say 30s. I'm already 40. What am I talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> in my in my uh, early 40s. And um, so before that, I hadn't tried anything other than, uh, you know, the standard uh, weed, marijuana, which is not a psychedelic. Um, and my experiences were, as you know, they varied. And not all of them were, let's say, of the of the positive variety. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I spend a lot of time thinking about that and really trying to understand if, you know, this is coming from the it came from the environment I was in or the headspace that I was in. And um, I think that must have played a role. And so when you describe her experience and then when you describe your experience and they're, you know, pretty positive experiences, um, it always brings me back to that. Yeah, you know? because, yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's not always a super nice positive experience as i know firsthand but yeah you know, maybe you can say something about that in terms of the environment and your headspace yeah. and how much that affects it yeah absolutely i think that's a really good point that you make um i wish i knew what the conditions of that experiment were i can imagine that being a, a clinical trial that they did prepare the participants ahead of hand they screened them to make sure that they were um, mentally well and that they had good social supports mm. that they knew what they were getting themselves into um, so definitely you know um, uh, adequate preparation is important so in the psychedelic world we talk about set and setting as being the two tenets of what makes for uh, a good experience and set refers to mindset and setting refers to your actual physical setting or your social setting so it's like you know, it's like anything, it doesn't have to be uh, only applied to a psychedelic experience. It's like set and setting are applied to any kind of experience. You know, if you have, if you're going to throw a party, you want to make sure that you're in the right frame of mind. You want to make sure that the space True. is welcoming. If you're going to go on a camping trip, you want to make sure that, you know, you're feeling like healthy about it and that you're with the right people, um, that you're going to uh, a place where you're going to feel uh, comfortable and safe, right? Mm. Um, so what psychedelics do 
one of the many things is that they act as a general amplifier of your internal state, exactly. which means that any emotions that you're experiencing, whether they're positive or challenging, they typically get amplified. You know, you just like, you, you get more aware of them and you notice them more in others. And, you know, you can really like feed off of other people's emotions as well. Um, so, you know, the, the state that you enter and, uh, the experience with it and kind of like the expectations and the approach that you take with it can certainly set you, um, at a certain, let's say angle to the experience. Mm. Um, and the same thing goes with the physical setting is that, you know, you want to make sure that you have a place All that's right, let's, comfortable let's stop it right and, here, and safe and that you'll be undisturbed at least for part of the experience. She's yeah. talking about set and setting. Right. Mindset. Yeah. The mindset that you're in when you consume it and mm -hmm. the setting your environment. And I love that, mm -hmm. man, because the reason I just wanted to take a quick second to, to touch up on that is because I'm I'm somebody personally. And I think we all are to a certain extent, but some some of us more than others. I'm very aware of the energy that I keep around me. Mm. Because the energy that I keep around me, ultimately, it's it's either going to be something that it's going to take. If it's bad energy or if it's energy that's not conducive to my flow, it's going to take too much of my energy to fight that so it doesn't disrupt me, right? Mm -hmm. So it's much more strenuous versus having somebody who's aligned with me and it's effortless. Obviously, if, if you have the, the option, mm -hmm. well, not obviously, but for me, if I have the option, I'd rather have people around me where I don't have to fight their energy, where we can just be kind of kumbaya. But with with con you know consuming the the psychedelics, it amplifies everything. It Everything is, you know, it's kind of like a veil is lifted in a sense, you know, and yeah. you don't want to put yourself in a situation and it's known, you know, don't don't go on trips with people that you have grudges with because those things are going to come out. You, you, you're you not going to have the ability to suppress it like you do on kind of your everyday life um, where, you, you know, if you you're not too fond of somebody, you can just kind of bite your tongue. Right. Just to be mm -hmm. a, a responsible adult choosing your battles when when you're on on that journey there is no bullshit the bullshit meter doesn't exist it's reality and i i that speaks to me just because again i'm a huge believer in energy and i'm a huge believer in and being conscious and mindful of the energy that you keep the energy that you keep around you um and that's some mm -hmm. cool stuff to see how that connects yeah so another interesting part about that is even if you're alone let's say um mm -hmm. Exactly. Apparently, the setting is, in terms of where you physically are, so like the difference between being somewhere where you just feel comfortable, like let's say, hopefully at home, <laughs> or you know maybe you're alone but you're in a, an unfamiliar environment. Apparently, that can also impact or have some kind of an impact on how you experience that particular journey. So it's 100%. it's uh, a f a few things to think about, yeah. Like where you are mentally, where you are physically, who are you surrounded by, all these things. Um, but it makes sense, right? If it's an amplifier, then anything that will give you some emotion, mm -hmm. it's going to amplify that emotion. So Yeah, and it's, it's very unique to see how things should be aligned if you want to see the most out of this journey in a positive light, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. we can't control the journey that we go on, um, but... These, you know, if these things, if these things are in line and this kind of, you know, you should be, you should be all right. But as you said, if your environment isn't right, if your mentality isn't right, or maybe if just it isn't, it isn't your time. The psychedelic gives you 
what you need. Hmm. No. You're not always going to have these crazy experiences. But when it does come, you know, more than likely those those things are aligned. So I just wanted to touch on that, man. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it is. And the other thing is, I just thought about something. I'll make it quick. The other, I, I just realized that if you are on a psychedelic trip and all of these things are factors in terms of how you will feel, how much energy must we be expending on our day-to-day in trying to deal with things like regarding our environment, regarding the people we're with, regarding our own emotions. Like, because when you're on the trip, like, those things just come out, right? Yeah. The filter is gone. But how much energy are we expending in our day-to-day to filter those things so we can function? That's crazy. <laughs> that's that's a great way of putting it, man. That's got to be really exhausting on, on the person. And I'm sure the more and more that happens... That could lead to fucking depression. That could lead to eating disorders. That could lead to other shit, you know, because physical, spiritually, well. yeah, spiritually, man, yeah. we're we're not, we're not there, man. I love it, man. All right, let's let's get going again. Hit that play button, Cynic. Because um, you know, it's it can sometimes be um, be a bit turbulent depending on what's happening during the day, and you know, like with anything, like if you go to a a, a big party, you might want to take some alone time and just chill on your own for a little bit to settle into yourself. Yeah. Um, so with those two things um, taken care of to the best of your ability, that kind of like sets the stage for the kind of experience that you're going to have. Um, that's not to say that if you're, you know, going through some challenging times in your life that it's not a good idea to experience psychedelics. It's more like, you know, just be aware of what your internal state is. Mm. Um like awareness is so important in this whole process as it is with everything, right? It's just yeah. like, know, know what you're going through. Like be able to identify um, to the best of your ability, like what state you're in before you engage in something that will alter your consciousness. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. It's regardless of, of what you are, um, you know, on, on a psychedelic or not, or it really doesn't matter. Awareness is, is such an important part of just everyday life and i've been thinking about it more and more as i've been practicing with meditation and um trying to be um more yeah aware but you know what is what is the term i'm thinking of just you know present in the now basically yeah you know yeah and um yeah for me it was um it was pretty interesting like uh we talked about this before you know i had certain I, I tried not to go in with expectations, but I still had some expectations, obviously. Right, right, right. And um, yeah. and that and that first time, it was. Uh, I remember it was. <laughs> I barely felt. I barely felt anything. It was like I I could tell there was something there, but it was it wasn't like this life changing experience. And I think that's what mm-hmm. I was going uh, in expecting. Yeah. yeah? And yeah. and I remember you and I talked, and it was, and I was you know about what my dosage was and. You know, and I remember the next time I did it, I had up the dosage and then it hit me like a freight train. <laughs> but every time it was like um, my my environment was was the same, at least those first two times. And and my mindset was I don't I don't know as much as I as we're talking now about having a good mindset and, and being aware. I don't think I was there. And, and just on a personal note, I mean, that's what actually drove me to even experiment with this. It, it's it, it's to try and break through some what I feel is like some imaginary 
wall that I have that lets me that prevents me from like connecting. It's like seeing or not even seeing, but knowing there's something just beyond. And I and and I'm hoping that or I was hoping that something like an experience with a psychedelic would help me break through that that glass, break through that mm -hmm. wall. Mm -hmm. And um yeah, I still feel even now that it's something that um I may have just peaked be peeked through meaning you know i may have just gotten a peek through but i still don't feel like i've had that experience so i, I hear about other people's experience with a bit of envy uh, but i'm still uh, keeping the uh the faith yeah that um when the time is right uh, i'll have the right experience yeah i i can relate to this feeling of expectation because even after having had several psychedelic experiences I still sometimes have this you know this feeling like oh it's gonna be it's gonna be the thing that you know I'm gonna get a revelation I'm gonna mm -hmm. be able to access a part of myself and then I'm gonna deal with it and then we're gonna be done and then it's gonna be over and then I'll be like a new person I'll have fixed my problem you know yeah and um and I notice that whenever I have the tendency to do that is when I have like a fixed idea of how I want the thing to go you know, it's mm. like you, um, it's like you over plan things, um, and you, exactly. you try to like exert some control over things. You're like, this is how the problem is going to be solved. You know, I'm going to bring this magic tool inside, wave it, have an interesting experience. And then it'll be, and it's like very linear kind of thinking, right? Mm. Um, it's like problem solution, you know, cause effect and, um, nothing really works like that. Like we're not, <laughs> we're not mechanical pieces to be fixed by a special tool. Yeah. Uh and that's like sometimes like a really frustrating thing to to realize because you know like so many people do have these um these peak experiences like you know peak as in like high apex apex experiences um during which time they you know recognize like really profound insights about themselves or um you know they make connections that otherwise they weren't able to make and but the thing is that those things typically happen when you're not like i'm gonna have a peak mm. experience mm -hmm. <laughs> you know um even when you know you decide you're gonna let's say take a higher dosage of things that higher dosage does not equal peak experience no. um it doesn't often have that kind of like one-to-one -one kind of effect it's like so many things you know come to light it's like if you're gonna go on a long journey um, sometimes you embark on that journey with the, the goal of like, you know, discovering yourself and you're like, I'm going to discover myself in my head by doing this and doing this and doing this. And by the yeah. end of all of those things, I've checked the boxes and I've discovered myself and that's your plan going in. But that journey is going to do all sorts of things that were not planned. And yeah. that's where the real learning happens yeah um and i think that's the thing gotta that, be open, um, bro. that 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 uh, we need to like remember when we're going through any kind of experience um, not just a psychedelic experience is that our expectations are just our expectations you know they're just like the idea that we have of what could happen yeah you know i, I w i'd like to talk about the learning part you know that you just mentioned you know we've been talking or at least the only experience i've had has been with um with mushrooms I should just uh, just to clarify that. Yeah, um, yeah. I know you've had experiences uh, with other psychedelics. Yeah, I'm curious to know, like, what first of all, what what are those other psychedelics that you've um, um, tried, and what would you say was the difference in terms of learning, or or 
is there no difference? Like, I, I'm just curious because, again, I'm I'm listening to my my guru here. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Teach me, master. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, the thing is, you know, I I can only say what my experiences have been, and you know, anyone who takes whatever they want to take is like that's that you know that's a, that's a disclaimer. Like, no no guru status at all yeah, here. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, the the classic psychedelics that I've uh, experienced are uh, mushrooms, LSD, and uh, to an extent ayahuasca, um, which which contains DMT. Ooh, and um, you can experience uh, like f- seeing these patterns. You know that's what we that's what we think about when we think about the '60s, like all the all the swirls and everything. Yeah. Like that's what you see. You know when I saw that for the first time, I was like, oh, that's why there are all these swirly things in all the movies from the 60s that's where it comes from wow i get it now and then you understand that and then you see it everywhere so in, in it. arch and music yeah you're like that's what they're talking about okay wow. cool um and you know you look at like paintings and stuff and you see like the the shifting colors and how like the foreground and the background like can kind of in and out of focus and um and things take on like a breathing quality so um, stationary objects will sometimes feel like they're like expanding and contracting as if, you know, as if they're res- respirating. Um, and the same thing with, uh, with plants in particular is like, I, I look at plants and they often feel like they're just like the leaves are, are breathing. You know, I can like feel that they're just like kind of, you know, beating. Stop it right there. Stop it right there. I was thinking of you when she said that. <laughs> I remember when you gave me that exact description. I saw the plant taking in the oxygen, filtering the carbon dioxide, and releasing it back into the universe, man. I saw that. It's so crazy to hear somebody else describe it in that same, you know, it's like there's this plane, man. There's this plane that you get to, and eventually you will get there, Seneca, right? And when you get there, it's like, yeah, you saw that blue house? You saw the yellow one on the corner? You know, it's like, like, yeah, I saw the yellow house, too. So dope, so yeah. dope to hear to hear describe it like that because that euphoric, that euphoric feeling is what I felt, man. It was it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, but when she said it, I was like, wow. Yeah, uh, Frank would 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 definitely be jumping in right now because I remember when you uh, described that. I almost mentioned it to her, but I didn't want to interrupt her. So, nah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, hit it. Um, with their own beat and that's it's just so beautiful to watch and especially like getting out into nature and like being with the trees and being with the sky and the clouds and watching the birds overhead Um, it just feels like everything is alive with Mm. its own energy Mm. Um, and and it's all very non-verbal and it's like when the wind passes through the leaves the trees it's it really feels like the trees are communicating in a way um, you know, through just the movements of, of the leaves. So it's uh, it's like that part is ethereal. It's so it's so beautiful. And um, that's the part so that I want so much to experience. And that's why it's just out of my grasp. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Coach. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I think maybe uh, a cynic can't experience these things because of the fact that <laughs> they're cynical. <laughs> Nah, man, you're gonna you're gonna get it, man. You just gotta be open, dude. Got to be open to it. And I'm not saying that you're not. No, but that's exactly why I'm saying it. You know, when you when your default setting is cynical, yeah, it might you might be just blocking yourself from, you know, having 
Well, you, Some kind of an experience like that. Well, when I tell you you have to be open and let go, my friend, maybe that's what the shroom is trying to teach you right from the very beginning. You're still too guarded. Let's go. Yeah. Let's what go. <laughs> Let's go. I love it, baby. Uh, because it's, you know, it's enchanting. You know, yeah. you can just like, just look at things for hours. So those are the similarities between um, mushrooms and, and LSD is, is that they both have these visual effects. Even, but you know, now that I've done both of the substances um, enough, I can tell the differences between them. Um, mm -hmm. So just visually, like mushrooms, they tend to be a lot more colorful, like kind of like primary colors. It feels like everything is crayons, you know? So like those kind of like, sharp bright colors mm -hmm. uh, it's, it has, there's a very like playful feeling that things almost feel like they're cartoony in the way that um the colors interact with each other whereas with lsd um it feels a lot more subtle so um it feels like things are a lot more like crystalline sometimes and the edges of things are sometimes a bit crispy i don't know if like, this is going to make any <laughs> sense to anyone but you know that's that's the way that i would describe it so th that's just like with the visual effects um but with the actual internal effects which is what i think is much more interesting like after yeah. a while the visual effects are actually not that interesting anymore because it's kind of like the same thing every time mm. you know um, so I know that, you know, to someone who hasn't yet had that visual experience, you're like, how could that not be interesting anymore? But after a while, you're like, cool, I get it. Stuff moves and there's <laughs> colors and, you know, and the trees are breathing, you know, it's beautiful. Um, and there's actually another much deeper layer of experience that's happening within you, um, which has to do with perception of yourself and perception of the world around you in the sense that like, you start to notice patterns in things that you normally don't notice. So, you know, patterns in people's behavior or mm. you start to think about, like you look at the the way that the world works and you just notice different things, like the way that, you know, traffic moves. And all of a sudden there's like an understanding of the, like the systems that govern those patterns, oh, um, you know, or you start to like make connections between like, oh, I had this experience, you know, when I was a child and that's why I've been doing, you know, this kind of thing over and over and over again into my adult life. Um, so it's just like a, a different level of awareness for yourself. It's like you perceive yourself um, from another perspective. Mm. And um, and that's where I think the real learnings are, right? And when, when you can make connections that you normally can't make. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know what, it, what, you, what I was thinking about when you were describing that is I wonder if this could have been um, or had something to do with our meaning our meaning humanity's um, uh, jump cognitively so like when when we made this jump whenever it happened from being sort of a caveman kind of you know uh, you know living in that kind of a, a way and very sort of limited uh, way of thinking and just very um, I can't I can't think of any words today but like uh, when when they were able to evolve into, you know, higher states of awareness. Yeah. So like when, when we because we made some sort of jump yeah, uh, in terms of our consciousness, in terms of our awareness. And sure, I mean, we, we could you could think that it, it had just happened slowly over time. And I'm sure it, it did take a lot of time. But I wonder if we had any major real jumps in our in our consciousness, in 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 just how we saw things from people maybe having these kinds of experiences 
you know, where you've taken they've taken some sort of psychedelic, a mushroom or whatever, and the, their mind is just now open. Like you mentioned, seeing <laughs> patterns and it, it, not just in out in the outside but world, but in people, you know. And if we just started to make connections and understand things differently, if that was like a, an impetus that pushed us into some other, some next level, you know, in our evolution. Pause it right there, sitting. Yeah, we, we talked about it briefly when we had Monty on, which we had him on. I think he was our first guest of the of the season. Hey, man, listen. One thing we're doing this season two is we're keeping our promises, people. Right? You want a guest? <laughs> you got guest. But I want to talk about Terrence McKenna, and he believed that psilocybin mushrooms were the evolutionary catalyst from which language, projective imagination, the arts, religion, philosophy, science, and all of the human culture sprang. McKenna's hypothesis concerning the influence of psilocybin mushrooms on human evolution is known as the stoned ape theory. And that's what you're referring mm -hmm. to where could it be possible that's what kind of gave us that jump from ooh, ooh, ah, ah, ooh, ooh, ah, exactly. ah, to being able to communicate and being the alpha species that we are. That's exactly it, yeah. And and Sen is going to actually uh, talk about that ex uh, that very thing right now. And uh, I joked uh, about uh, Terrence having beaten me to the theory, but I'm sure I must have heard the theory somewhere, <laughs> um, you know, from him. But the thing is, when she was talking about it, uh, I was definitely not thinking about Terrence McKenna or even the name of the theory. Mm -hmm. But the way she described these things, uh, that's just what immediately popped in my head. It's like, if you know, if this is how this works if this is the kind of experience you have then i could totally get uh you can take a primitive species or version of the human species and crank shit you know, up give them exactly <laughs> give them some of this and all of a sudden they're understanding things in a different way and that could be a, a catalyst but yeah that's exactly what it's called and she's going to get into that awesome man all right i'll shut up play that shit well, we can only speculate <laughs> on this right now. Um, there are some interesting hypotheses floating around out there. So uh, there is one theory called the stoned ape hypothesis, <laughs> which is. was put forth by <laughs> Terrence McKenna, who is oh, uh, you know, one of the yeah. big names in psychedelics. Um, you know, he... Uh, you should have been like, man, shut up. We're going to talk about that right now. <laughs> Let it play. <laughs> the field of study for psilocybin uh, yeah. mushrooms. Yeah. And his hypothesis was essentially that. It was like, we were we were apes. We were, you know, or or just like, you know, not yet as uh, as aware as we are now. And foraging for food, hunter-gathering, hunter-gathering. And, and, you know, you're going to hunt some or gather some mushrooms at some point. And people were just like testing stuff out by eating it, right? So... Um, at some point, most likely people encountered psychedelic mushrooms in the forest, ate them, and, you know, the stone ape hypothesis, it's a hypothesis, it's not proven or anything. I don't know if we could ever prove it. I don't think it. we could ever prove says it. That, <laughs> says that, yeah, you know, ingesting these psychedelic substances allowed us, uh, allowed the, the apes to um, to perceive differently and develop higher brain functions. Okay, um, so. And was an, uh, he, he calls it an evolutionary catalyst. So, um, so, so okay. that is that's a hypothesis. Um, it's out there for people to read and to just kind of like you know chew on as an idea. Um, not sure if that's anything that we could ever you know get into academically, scientifically. Yeah. Uh, so that means Terrence McKenna uh, beat me to the theory. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think? Like, I, I I'm I'm looking at you and I'm wondering you 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 
you look a bit skeptical. Like you, you're not really <laughs> I mean, buying into that. I mean, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, my background is in the sciences, so my baseline is skepticism. Okay. Um, so I'm skeptical. <laughs> I'm skeptical about everything, you know. So that's 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 just where I come from. Um, I think it's a it's a it's a fun idea, um, mm -hmm. but um, but there's no scientific basis for it. We can't prove it. Um, it's a hypothesis for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, so so it's a cool idea. Could be could have some merit. Might not. Um, I am not an evolutionary biologist, so I, I am not qualified to make any theories about uh, how we developed higher consciousness. I won't pin you down then on that one. Yeah, I mean, like, I it's cool. It's a it's a cool idea. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> so what what was um, ayahuasca like? Ayahuasca has been more and more in in the public yeah. discourse lately, yeah. and more and more people know about it. There's like tourism now for it. Like, yeah. what was that yeah. like? So ayahuasca is, uh, you know, it's one of these psychedelic substances that is indigenous to um, to tribes in South America, you know, in, in Colombia, in Peru. Um, and it's something that has um, kind of been commodified by Western yeah. society as, you know, and that's why it's reached the mainstream. And that's why there's now ayahuasca tours and mm -hmm. um, ayahuasca being import, uh, exported to pretty much every corner of the world. Um, you can find an ayahuasca ceremony like, you know, on any street corner on any weekend, like in most major cities. And um, I think that like before, you know, I, I talk about the experience of ayahuasca. I think that it's important to just mention how important it is to um, to be aware of just the ethics around specifically ayahuasca, just because so much of it is linked in with cultural appropriation mm. um, in mm. a way that mushrooms and LSD are not, um, because those things are, like mushrooms are easily grown on your own, LSD is synthesized in a laboratory, but ayahuasca comes from a tradition um, of like many, many, many years of, um, of training. And it's just something that like I'm really aware of when I, look at other people doing ayahuasca ceremonies and like, you know, do you know who the shaman is? Um, is it actually who is someone who is qualified to be a shaman? You know, where's the money going? Um, what is the ceremony like? Um, because in contrast to some of these other uh, psychedelic substances, um, to have an ayahuasca experience, you need to have it be facilitated by a shaman. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's less common to do it on your own. It's more like, you know, you go into a ceremony and there's a group of people and, and then you have someone who's guiding the experience. Um, so you're saying that if you, if you are going to, to try that, that you should be aware that it's, it's really a ceremonial thing that should be respected in terms of the tradition should be respected. Yeah. Gonna, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Just like, you know, do, do your research, um, find out who is, is holding the ceremony, you know, find out what their connections are to the, uh, to the indigenous communities, um, mm. where the ayahuasca comes from and, um, you know, and ask questions about how the money is, uh, is feeding back into the community because it's, it's just one of those things where it's already depleting the communities there. Oh, um, really? You know, the ayahuasca vines are being more and more um, harvested from the, from the rainforest. Mm -hmm. And um, and just like, you know, there's more demand for it. So there's going to be more, uh, less supply for it. And 
um, you know, and with everything, sustainability is key and we have to have that in mind. And it's also what's happening to the local economies um, with people coming through and doing their, you know, their ayahuasca tourism. Like, is it actually helping the communities or is it diffusing their traditions with, um, you know, like with like tourism money? Wow. Um, so, okay. so all of that. So Good yeah, point. that's the preface is like, do your research, make sure you know what's going on in the background there, because there are some shady ayahuasca practices uh, with people who um, have not come from the community who have taken the ayahuasca and, um, and sold it, you know, under their own trademark, but it's not under anybody's tradition. It's not um, guided by an indig indigenous shaman. And sometimes like they do all sorts of like really, really unethical things like, you know, water the ayahuasca down or um, not treat the participants with as much care and guidance as they need to and it's just kind of like a money-making machine you know like anything right? yeah so yeah Capitalism, just especially baby. to be careful Capitalism. that's yeah 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 generally mm -hmm. <laughs> generally um so there that's my that's my preface okay. <laughs> <laughs> hope i did it justice i i think it's really important to talk about these things um and yeah. and as for the experience of ayahuasca itself, um, my take on it is that I've done it once. I did a three day ceremony. It was um, it was in uh, in the uh, surrounding area outside of Berlin, and it was guided by uh, a shaman from Colombia. Um, and the experience was like ayahuasca is not recreational. <laughs> um, it is medicine, big M medicine. Um, it's, uh, like, at least that's, that's what it was for me. And I think that's the way that it's intended. Um, whereas some of the other substances can be used just like very casually, you know, you know, without, without too much like preparation, um, with the ayahuasca is like, you know, I'm going here for, uh, a healing ceremony and, um, there is a preparation process. Uh, so uh, typically they ask you to observe a dieta, which means that you abstain from alcohol, caffeine, pork, uh, marijuana, sugar, certain kinds of spices for um, a couple of days to two weeks prior to uh, prior to the, the ceremony. Pork specifically? Um, because, because some of the substances in um, all of those food items can interfere oh. with um with this with the 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 dmt and the uh, one of the other substances i can't remember what it's called right now i'm looking to it um and uh, and that can affect the experience Got it. and it's that's also you know the the tradition that is observed in the in the in the indigenous tribes um so that's one thing um and you know leading up to the the ceremony it's like you know you do need to think about like what your intention is and um you know, and, and just kind of be, be ready for anything to happen. Uh, what actually happened for me um, was just like, it was, it was one of the most difficult things I had ever done because there is a lot of physical nausea mm -hmm. uh, as a result of the ayahuasca and that's intended. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, essentially what you do is you, uh, you take the ayahuasca, so like a little cup of it, <clears throat> you swallow it, it doesn't taste that that great <laughs> um <laughs> it's like you know it's it's a it's a brewed concoction of two vines from the amazonian rainforest and um they they brew it for multiple days until it's quite thick and sticky and bitter oh, okay. so you know you, you take that and then you retreat back to your space and allow the medicine to start working and typically it starts working in like half an hour to an hour and the way that you know that it starts working is that you start to feel really nauseous and um, that nausea will 
culminate in and gagging and you start to retch mm -hmm. um, and then you start to vomit mm -hmm. and um, and you know and before long you have like an entire room of people who are like retching and vomiting and um, that's wow. the process like that's what is intended to happen like it's called la purga so the the, the purge yeah. so you're getting rid of all the physical stuff from the Pause inside real quick. Um, that's not needed anymore <laughs> I don't I don't think that's coincidental man the fact that what? The fact that you start puking, I think that's, oh, you know, that's you releasing no. some shit, or that's a price you got to pay to, to go for that ride. But I, I feel like it's deeper than just you being like your stomach hurting. I feel like it exemplifies yeah. something in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. There's definitely some kind of symbolism there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're you're obviously physically, you know vomiting but she's going to describe now how you feel like you're vomiting emotional stuff too mm -hmm. which is and I, and i think that's what you're getting at my next thought is man that circle must smell like shit <laughs> if everybody's puking man i'm one of those people i can't smell it i can't smell it <laughs> My uh, guess is that uh, when you're in that state, yeah, you don't give a damn. You're just like worrying about your own. <laughs> I hope so. Play that shit. And then once you've gotten rid of all the physical stuff, after like, you know, a few hours of physical vomiting, um, then you start to purge energetically, which means that you're still like retching. Nothing is coming out anymore because you've puked it all out. Mm -hmm. um, but there's like other stuff coming out and like it sounds it sounds like difficult to comprehend like what is energetic vomiting mm -hmm. but it's just basically like you're you're retching and, and just all of your shit is coming mm -hmm. out from the inside all your psychological shit and um you know that process is is really uncomfortable oh, wow. <laughs> um and and that's why you know i call it like big m medicine because it's not fun to be on your knees vomiting into a tupperware for like six hours yeah um and and yet it's so good <laughs> it's so good for me um that's what i learned is like as as i went along i was like this is extremely difficult at one point i was lying on the floor like completely believing that i was going to die so i'm just stopping it there because there's another point where you um were telling me i'm not sure if this was on the air or we were talking about this off the air but you were telling me about um was it on the air when you were saying that you 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 heard from people that they felt like your soul left your their body? Yeah, I don't know if it was on or off, but yeah, like yeah, that's what tell you that I'm scared to try it in a sense. And what happens is that the the DMT that's released in the brain throughout that process is the same hormone that's released when you're born initially and when you pass away. I've it, heard that. So those parallels and the fact that you're tapping into shit that you're only supposed to feel twice in your lifetime, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> all those things, man, we all got to pay the piper. But yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was referring to. <laughs> all right. Um, that like I was, I was screaming for help. Um, there were helpers running around, like, you know, giving people uh, water and, you know, and, and paper to wipe their faces with. And I remember I was just like lying on the floor screaming, for someone to give me toilet paper <laughs> because that was what I ne felt like I needed most desperately in that moment just to like someone to give me a wad of toilet paper so I could wipe the bile off my face so I could keep vomiting. Oh my God. Um, and you know, and I, and I did that for, for three nights in a row. Um, 
and uh, and every every day something new came up. Um, and three uh, days, and it was it was all intense. very interesting. Um, I wow. remember that um, on the second day I was purging and purging and purging, and at one point I paused the purging and I saw. Um, all of the emotions that I had stuffed down for years and years that I normally don't let out um, go on like a little parade in front of me. And so um, first there was like a box of sadness and I like the box of sadness just sprang open and all the sadness came out and I just sat there just crying and weeping, um, you know, in a room of other people who are just doing whatever, they, whatever it is that they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, everyone's going through their own process. Um, and I did that for like a good half an hour and then that was over and then I was like, anger oh the anger box is opening now now i'm just gonna be really angry at everything and just like just like storm around and just like you know freak out and scream and like you know just like squat on the floor and put my hand in my head and just like scream um and then i did that and that was done you know and then there was like another box of fear you know and that opened and I, you know, and then I went and I like lay in the corner by myself on top of all the backpacks. <laughs> and, and I was just like, I was just cowering in fear and everyone who passed by was, was terrifying to me. Um, and as all this was happening, there was still a piece of my awareness that was just watching it all happen and thinking, wow, this is really interesting. This is somewhere where I also wanted to share with her, but I, I didn't want to interrupt, but. What she's going to describe now is uh, one of the few things I can confirm from my own experience was this feeling of all of these strange things are are happening and you're feeling them. And maybe in her case, you're seeing them as well. It was not so much visual for me. It was more totally mental. Yeah, it was all inside. But mm -hmm. so it was not totally it was mental, but also physical. My body was was doing things that I felt I had no control over. And I remember when I was deep in it, coming to some realization that I'm watching all of this happen. And then I felt like this little person in a control room watching this body to have all these involuntary movements. And I realized at some point that, because when you're going through it, you're like, you just at some point you're just in it. You're just in it. You're just in it. And then at some and then at some moment I realize I can actually watch all this happen, but I, I can't control it. But I can see all this happening, and it, and it it reminded me when she said that that I had that same exact feeling. The awareness. Yeah. Your awareness yeah. is is still there, even though in a sense you're in control, but you're not in control. Mm -hmm. You're in control because you still have a grasp of reality. You haven't gone over the edge, but these things are happening. These thoughts are happening. Sometimes the things that you might be seeing, you know, are are things that you really can't, you, you can't control. You're aware of it. You know what's going on. You know, it's not, it's not like you're going over the deep end, but I, I get what you're saying, man. Yeah. And that, that whole kind of concept where somebody's in a control room and you're, you know, that was a really cool visual because I picture <laughs> Somebody in your head <laughs> boop, boop, pushing buttons, looking at your hand, you know, twitching, you know, and you're fucking yeah. looking around, watching all these things happen. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. And then what? Because of that, that awareness comes in and out. At least for me, it went in and out. Mm -hmm. So when I was aware, I was in that state. When I was not aware, then I was 
going through whatever my body was going through and I was identifying like it was me. So it was kind of like a like like thinking of a roller coaster, like when you're going down mm. a roller coaster and you have all those rushes of emotions and it's almost like, you know, overwhelming. And you come to the top of the roller coaster and there's like this peace and calm for a second. And that's how it felt. Like when I was at the top, I could see, I was aware. And then I would feel myself falling into this again. And then all of a sudden I was in it again and just <laughs> all this uncontrollable stuff. So, yeah, it was something that I identified with um, when, when she said it. And I just wanted to, to share that. Dope, man. Thanks for sharing. Um, you know, like like all of this is happening and, and like I can't control any of it. You know, like I felt like an animal. I felt like a, you know, like a savage animal. And the thing is, like I'm in my regular day life very restrained mm -hmm. um i'm i'm like a very calm presenting person mm -hmm. on the outside mm -hmm. um because i've learned to be that way and the result was that i had all these emotions that went into their compartments that i just learned to just like do, 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 you know tap down tap down and you know we know what happens when you don't express your emotions right they just like they come out in in other, in other ways, ways yeah. and during the ceremony it was like okay let's open up all those boxes let's clear all that shit out just okay first comes the sadness then comes the anger then comes the fear okay all done okay cool <laughs> now you're done <laughs> and then i had a great time you know and then we went you know uh, into into the room and did some dancing uh and and i was just like okay so that that was what that process was for me at least one of them you know mm -hmm. there were many other processes that were happening um but it was really like there's there's a plant essence there's a plant entity that is in that realm and it does things to you like the plant will take you on a journey you know like i am not there guiding my own journey someone else is there and the shaman is there also to um to help you through the process so there's music being played in the background our shaman had like he had like a floor full of instruments that he just played the entire night um that and, you know like I want to find out who she did this like, with. She that's said it like was the, just outside the accompaniment. You know, it was mm. like, this is going to be the me. soundtrack for your process. And it was all these, uh, they call them Ikaros. So Ikaros are the, the, the local tribal songs that are specific to that indigenous tribe and which have been cultivated over generations. And these are the songs that they sing to, to help you along your journey. Um, so it's like harmonica, guitar, flute, um, like this uh, kind of like a, a harp instrument and various kinds of singing and drums. Nice. Um, so it's like, it's just such a, a a supported and yet such a challenging experience. Like I did the, the ayahuasca experience once and I was like, I don't know if I need to do it again. <laughs> you know, like it, it, it was just so, so difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it sounds like I'm sitting on the edge of my seat and I'm like, just, it's, I sound, it, I feel yeah, that sounds like a one timer for me though. Everything you went through mm. just yeah. from hearing yeah. it. And, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was thinking, you mentioned a couple of times that you, um, you called it medicine with a big M. Yeah. And I was wondering like, yeah. if you want to share, like what drove you, like what made you, what, why, what made you feel like you needed that medicine? What, what made you go to ayahuasca? Um, I was going through a pretty difficult period in my life. Uh, so I was, I mean, I was living in Berlin. Um, I was really struggling with my, my, my career path. Like I was doing this job that I really didn't like. And, um, I was in a relationship that was kind of like, you know, just not going how I wanted it to go and feeling kind of lost. 
um as we do from time to time you know yeah. just like just like what what is my life and so definitely like depressed and anxious and um i had um i had been microdosing with lsd uh for a little while to just like experiment with it and that was very helpful um and then at the same time i was like you know really getting to uh, the psychedelic world and and exploring like what other things there were and um, of course you know I came across ayahuasca and I had several friends who had had the experience um, who recommended it to me and at the time I was just like yeah of course I'm going to try it um, mm -hmm. you know it it sounds it sounds first of all like a really interesting experience and I'm always up for interesting experiences and second it sounds like it really has the potential to to be helpful. Um, to me in this situation because I felt like I needed like a pattern breaker you know sometimes you just get into like the same mindset um, over and over again like the same habitual negative thought cycles mm. and, um, and and it's when you're in that situation and it's been a while that you've been depressed and um, you can't quite remember what it feels like to be your old self again mm. is when you know I, that's when I made that decision I was like you know I, I think I, I, I want to bring something else in here mm. and um you know it just seemed like a a natural way to go do you think that psychedelics are for everyone it's that you uh, know, no <laughs> i don't think anything <laughs> is for everyone <laughs> okay that was a clear clear answer there yeah no i i i think that um i agree with that psychedelics can be helpful for, for a lot of people um provided that they know themselves enough to engage in that process and provided that they can um you know that they can create the circumstances to the best of their ability to take care of the set and the setting mm. um, and that they are also aware of any um any pre-existing medical conditions that could make a psychedelic substance less safe for them Mm. Um, so people who are on psychiatric medications, like antidepressants, especially uh, uh, medications that have to do with um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, yeah. SSRIs, so uh, Prozac, you know, things like that, um, those act on the same neurological pathways as psychedelics do. And so that's when you need to be careful because, um, you know, you know, without getting too much into the neurology of it, um, when you mix two of those things together, it can produce like a, an amplified effect. Okay. And um, yeah, and, uh, you know, and if you are someone who's like already going through, let's say, you know, difficulties with, um, with, staying in this reality so people who have psychosis or um or schizophrenia yeah. um you know they got to be really careful there because uh the psychedelics can intensify you know those experiences um doesn't mean that they can't also be helpful but it just it means that they need to do their research and, and consult as much as possible and um you know unfortunately these days uh depending on where you are in the world um, psychedelic therapists are still not as available as, you know, classical yeah, therapists. Yeah. Um, but, but there is much more information than there used to be. Um, so, so that's like the, the long answer of if psychedelics are for everyone, um, definitely not. Um, but they can be for people who, uh, are, are ready for the experience, you know, and who feel like they're in a place where, um, they could, uh, they could start to experiment with altered states of consciousness. Got you. 
I was uh, thinking just every every time you're talking, it's got me thinking about all kinds of new questions to ask you. Um, <laughs> and, and I know a lot of these things are, are you know, opinion or, you know, just uh, we're not we're not. Uh, yeah, giving any yeah, advice I'm, here. I'm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. These are these are these are the ways that, you know, this is how I think about psychedelics. Um, this is, you know, where it's just like be informed, right? Like make educated decisions. That's the the thing, you know, and that's what I think um, we as human beings are always doing anyway. It's like you're curious about something like human beings are curious. That's why we've we've developed civilizations. Um, that's why we we have the knowledge of psychedelic substances and any kind of, you know, scientific discovery. It's because we're curious and we want to try stuff and see what happens. Mm. Right. So you know, I, I believe that um, that we should have the ability to experiment also with states of consciousness. You know, that's like a just that's my body. It's my mind. You know, I, I would like to be able to to do what I want with yeah, it. Yeah. You know? I'm with you. I'm with you 100 percent. And um, it's a good segue, I think, to talk about the stigma of of these things, of psychedelics, because I think they do exist to, depending where you are, maybe more maybe less but i think there is some kind of a stigma still about talking about things like these substances where uh, some people are still afraid of them or some people just um just in general think anything that alters your you know your consciousness or that maybe where you are not in quote control of yourself you know mm-hmm. um are are seen as negative things so how has it been for you like to just share your um, interest in it and to to just you know be open about mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. using psychedelics um, like in your family like in your personal life family friends yeah and, uh, yeah, yeah and maybe even in your professional life do you feel that you have to be like compartmentalizing these things just because yeah yeah uh, I certainly do you know it's it's like anything personal that you share um, you you want to be appropriate for the context, right? And depending on what kind of life you live and how in alignment your different contexts are with who you are, um, you have to be more or less careful. Like, so when I was working my corporate job, I'm not going to be telling everyone about my psychedelic experience experiences, even though I'm sure that a lot of people in that company have had the same experiences. Mm. You know, it's just like, not the space to talk about it because uh or maybe you know not not like you know at lunch with a whole table table of people you'll find a couple of people here and there who are like oh yeah this oh yeah right I, i've done that and i've done that but it's not like you know lunchtime conversation right yeah, yeah. um when i was working for a psychedelic startup that was oh. <laughs> what we were doing so you know that was like everyday conversation um with uh with my personal network um i'm very open with uh because they're my friends you know like the friends that i have are my friends for a reason um and of course there's it's not going to be everyone who shares the interest and not everyone who's shared the experience but typically like the people that i want to bring into my life are people who are are also just curious about um experiences um and 
you know, and, and there are going to be people who are because they're less informed or less experienced, they're going to have some of the the preconceptions, the stigmas that you were talking about. Like the first time that I did mushrooms, um, it was with a, a friend of mine, and her partner was was a good friend of mine, and he was quite concerned that we were doing this, and you know, brought up a, a lot of. Uh, a lot of his worries and everything. And, you know, we just sat there and we, we talked to him about it and, you know, uh, reassured him and, you know, and talked about like what the background of these substances were. And, uh, and then it was, you know, he was still concerned, but it was like, no, we're going to still do it. Right. And mm -hmm. a lot of the, the stig stigma, I think, comes from, um, comes from history and comes from the way that uh, certain substances have been treated by the government. So uh, what happened in the 60s and the 70s in the States, especially um, leading up to the prohibition of psychedelics was that um, we, you know, there, there, there were, there were a lot of like LSD parties happening. There was like um, an LSD revolution happening. You know, that's why that's, that's what we hear about when we think about like the, the, the hippie revolution, yeah. right? It was like, everyone's at a festival and like flower power and everything. Like so much of that was informed by psychedelics. And um, what happened was that, you know, psych uh, LSD was so new to the world at that point that like everybody just did whatever they wanted with it. Um, and often in really irresponsible ways, like, you know, there would be, this is where you hear about people spiking the punch mm -hmm. with LSD mm -hmm. and nobody knowing about it, you know? Um, and, uh, and there's, you know, lots of stories about, uh, like this, this bus, um, traveling across the States with like barrels of LSD and just like administering what? LSD without even, without even. You think Steve Jobs did LSD? Hmm. I'm sure he did, bro. Everybody possible. did back then. It's possible. How, how much different will would life be if people didn't? Man, you don't know. You never know if the LSD is what opened those doorways to these, you know, guys thinking different. Even you Jeff know, that, they attribute that to a lot of the success for uh, musical success that mm -hmm. came out of the '60s and the '70s. Mm -hmm. I'm not that sure too. how much that applies today, but the Beatles, back then, all that, yeah. yeah, man. Just saying, <laughs> maybe we're seeing evolution happen right between before our eyes. <laughs> it's happening. All right, go ahead. <laughs> this this bus um, traveling across the states with like barrels of LSD and just like administering what? LSD without even without even even measuring how much it was into people's cups and just like leaving a, a trail of rampage um behind them you know and that was a real with thing? that kind of yeah yeah that's a real thing um oh shit ken casey ken casey i think uh i might be getting the name wrong uh but there's yeah there's you know just like it was it was a wild time and um so that's one part of why the psychedelics became prohibited but you know the other reason which is i think a lot more potentially insidious is that as people um you know, access these altered states of consciousness, they also started to perceive patterns in government structures and understand like, hey, like what's actually happening with, uh, with the way that our country is run? Mm. And, you know, you start to ask yourself questions about, about like, well, why Vietnam War, you know, what is happening there? Like, why is that happening? And so there was, um, there's like a strong, um, like 
questioning aspect that um, that psychedelics promote and a strong like awareness kind of uh, it's kind of you know, like waking uh, up a bit isn't it there, there's definitely like you know absolutely like waves of waking up and um and that's another reason to to prohibit the substances like from a governmental perspective where it's like you know all these people are asking questions and they're protesting and it's like it's not really convenient for us um and it also happens that a whole bunch of people are using the substance irresponsibly so we're going to use that as the reason yeah. to um you know to, and, and then there's this whole you know war on drugs thing right yeah. um where the war on drugs is like actually a war on lower socioeconomic classes yeah. Yeah. uh you know and and then we're painting all drugs all substances with the same black mark you know like and treating things that are highly addictive like heroin and cocaine and speed the same way that we treat marijuana and yeah. and psychedelics that are not addictive um in the same way you know and so everything is under schedule one which is like the most prohibited um category of drugs and uh and you know the the substances are not treated with um with the, the nuance that yeah. they need to be treated with yeah i was really shocked um in the last uh few months uh maybe a year um i've been hearing and reading a little bit more about the the whole war on drugs thing and some a lot of all the damage that it's done and uh hearing stories about people well people it sounds like just a few but like millions of people who are in jail for uh ridiculous things that are related to like marijuana use or you know some benign uh drug like that and so many people have been sent to jail for 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 those kinds of infractions or or whatever and it's it's a joke because at the end of the day the things that are actually bad for you <laughs> yeah like you know, the alcohol and the cigarettes yeah. and those things. Yes. You know, those things yeah. they're happy to let the public kill themselves with. Yes, and, yes, and, absolutely. And the things like like you mentioned with um, heroin and, and those things that will definitely kill you. Yeah, they seem to be also just happy to let them kill themselves with it. Yeah, but these other things that may potentially, you know, give people the the ability to learn more about who they are themselves and and question more about what's going on around them. Those are the things that happen to be, you know, throwing the baby uh, out with the bathwater. And you know, they put everything together yeah. and, and just lump it all together. Yep. And yeah, it's like you yep. said, there's no nuance. It's uh, terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, the nuance is, you know, is where the money's at, you know. Mm. <laughs> and as you say, you know, alcohol, nicotine, caffeine, these are, uh, these are substances that are also consciousness altering. Mm -hmm. But they are not treated with the same, the same kind of um, stigmatizing perspective. Mm. Even though, as you said, alcohol, when compared with any other substance, any other substance, including heroin, um, is responsible for vastly more deaths um, and and damage than all the other substances combined. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and like we, we get different and alcohol, right. And, uh, and, and that seems to be all right. So it's not, I don't think that the problem is with changing states of consciousness. Mm. Um, it's, it's what's going on behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a frustrating, frustrating thing. What's it like here? Like we, we, you and I both have experience, um, from, you know, the other side of the pond. Yeah. You lived in, you're yeah. from Canada. You know, I was uh, yeah. from the States. I'm from the States. But uh, 
Do you know much about what it's like here? The law, like how they treat these substances here? Because I'm not that familiar with it. I'm also not familiar with the, uh, this, I mean, you know, the substances are, are illegal in the same way okay. as they are yeah. in North America, but I'm not sure exactly how strictly they enforce it here. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know like Europe, I guess generally, but we're talking here, we're in Germany. They, they seem to be a little more lenient, at least with things like marijuana and things like that. So uh, I guess I, we're, we're in Berlin, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're even a little more lenient with, <laughs> with some of these other uh, substances. But yeah, in the States, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty bad. Uh, you can really, you could end up in jail, you know, just for trying to have an experience. Pause that, that real quick. You know, it doesn't yeah. hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. Not only is it sad... But it's retarded that there's people that are doing more time for marijuana than people that are killing people out there, than murderers. Like, it's retarded. There's mm-hmm. there's people doing more time for fucking, for a drug charge than somebody taking somebody else's life, man. Yeah. The that's, system uh, is fucking. I understand where you're an expat now, man. I fucking get it. I think that it, those cases usually happen with this three strikes thing. Is it? I don't know, man. I don't know the details, but I know that there are some weird situations where that is definitely possible and happens for up. for a ridiculous charge like having marijuana and maybe you already had two other issues or I don't know. I don't know the details, but it definitely happens. You're right. And um, it's asinine. All right, man, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that is especially true for for people who have been apprehended with marijuana. Um, You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's just like, it's so, it's such an easy thing to target people for. Mm. Uh, And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, historical influences there, you know, that this war on drugs is really like a war on poor people uh, or certain cultures or... You know, yeah. Um, yeah, that's and that, you know, with with the, the laws slowly but steadily changing in North America around cannabis um, and uh, with, you know, retroactive like, you know, uh, what what is the pardoning of um, of certain uh, offenses? Um, it's like the justice still needs to be served. It's coming slowly, but it still needs to be served. You know, it's just it's so upsetting to see businesses crop up around cannabis which has just been legalized in you know one state in 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 the states and then and still have people who are behind bars who were doing the same thing maybe two years ago yeah. before it was legalized yeah. you know and it's just like like <laughs> um that's when you really see that it's about the money not about the substance or the justice yeah. how long have you been here actually in Germany, so on this earth, no. Okay. <laughs> so how long have you been away from Canada? <laughs> I've been I've been in Germany for six years. Six years, okay. <laughs> have, has your so in your with your experiences that you've had, you know, that you've gathered you know, in your time with with psychedelics, have they led you to like how did you did it influence your podcast? Like how you came to the podcast idea and coming and bringing hmm. that together, or was that? Did it not have anything to do with that at all? I, I would say that it's um it's hard to make those direct associations because every experience that I've had with psychedelics um grows me a little bit, 
you know there hasn't been real i mean like once in a while there's there's like a definite like peak experience um like the first time i experienced lsd was a peak experience because it was the first time i did lsd and i was like oh now i know what this is and i remember you know experiencing my entire body as vibrations and dissolving into all the other things that i perceived as vibrations mm. um that was that was a very interesting experience did it change my life completely um not immediately but i felt like i had access to a world of experience that i'd never perceived before and um that made me more curious to keep on exploring that world and the more that i explored that world the more that i was like okay i, I understand what other people are talking about now like on an experiential level not on a brain level on an experiential level and um you know the resulting effects of you know using these tools um, consistently over a number of years is that I become a lot more in tune with myself and my intuitions. Mm -hmm. um, like on LSD, on mushrooms, um, I'm, I become so much more aware of what my, what my immediate perception of a person or a situation is um, so I can capture the energy and the essence of it. So it's like if there's something about a situation that I'm feeling a bit weird about that becomes extremely clear why I'm feeling weird about that mm. on the psychedelics. Um, or if there's someone in my, in my environment, um, and, uh, and I'm just like, you know, perceiving them and being with them. Like, you know, yesterday I was, uh, I was, um, on an LSD journey and I was just with, you know, all my housemates and it was just so beautiful to, um, to take them in, um, while, in this other space um and I, I i felt like i could capture who they were better you know like there were certain things and i i was doing it in the moment as well i was like i was able to tell them what i saw about them in a way that normally i might not feel comfortable doing mm -hmm. or i might not feel like you know i was right but in that moment i was like this is what i see about you and like most of the times they're like yeah that's totally true you know <laughs> that's cool that you can see that so it helps my perception and it helps me to practice um, engaging with intuition. So even though like, you know, from one psychedelic experience to the next, I'm not making any revelatory changes um, with each time. I'm like, cool, I trust myself more, um, mm. you know, and it, and that means that I can also when I'm not in the experience, I still have access to that intuition and I, you know, just get better at at trusting my my take on situations. Right. Nice. So when you were on your journey yesterday that you just mentioned it, were you, you were the only one and your, 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 mm -hmm. your flatmates mm -hmm. were not? Or... Can you pause it real quick? Mm -hmm. Could you um, explain to the Westerners what a flatmate is? Because <laughs> they, they, we don't use that. I know what it is, but they don't use the term. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a roommate. Like a roommate, yeah. Except they... Uh, so I'm not sure how many in how many contexts you can use roommate in, but here you can rent an actual apartment or a flat, if you use the British term. And um, some of them are actually made specifically for this kind of a situation. They're 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 like uh, how do I say not made, but they're 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 built in a certain way where you have um, a living space on one side of the apartment and a living space on the other side of the apartment, and you might share some, like a kitchen or something. But it's one apartment. I see what you mean. And, um, yeah. 
They call it a flat. Yeah, so they, here uh, they do use the term flat a lot. They use the British term for apartment. It's in the, mm. At the end of the day, it's an apartment. Um, and they, depending on how big it is, you might have two, three, four people living in in a, in a shared flat. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I was, uh, I was, one of my flatmates um, had taken some mushrooms and I had taken some LSD and, um, but the rest of it was just like kind of chilling, hanging okay. out, you know, seeing what was up with people. Very chill. <laughs> yeah. Very relaxed. When you told me that you were, uh, you know, like going around to your housemates, I was thinking, so, so is it like, like being the annoying drunk person where you're the only one who's like, <laughs> I like to think of it as, I like to think of it as uh, being, being the visiting astral fairy. <laughs> You know, I'd be like, <laughs> I'm here visiting you, you know, checking you out in your reality and I'm in my reality. And uh, let's see what we can exchange. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I hope I wasn't. I don't think I was. I, I'm, I'm very sure I wasn't the annoying drunk person. <laughs> you know, no, I felt like more like I was the I was the magician of the night. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually I want to talk to you a little bit before we 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 get ready to go. I want to know more about your podcast, but. Before we switch gears there, I wanted to ask you, you've already shared like some really awesome stories, personal stories, but if there's anything else you want to share or you think um, would be interesting for, for the listeners to hear. I think, um, you know, I, I'm thinking about people who might be listening, who are curious about psychedelics, um, you know, who might not have had the opportunity to try them. And they're like, oh, I don't know if it's for me or not. Um, is that you don't have to try psychedelics, um, especially because like, you know, there is a certain level of, of personal risk involved, like because because these substances are still unregulated um, due to their illegal status, uh, you don't ever know exactly what you're getting or how much of it you're getting, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so that means that, you know, you carry the burden of responsibility for making it a safe experience for yourself, um, which also means that you carry the burden of responsibility for, you know, educating yourself and, um, you know, and and making that as as good of an experience as possible for yourself. So I think like information is key and um, asking questions is key. And there's a lot of forums out there. Um, there's a lot of internet resources, YouTube videos. Um, there's just like anything that you could possibly want to know Google is your best friend. <laughs> Go and inform yourself and make um, make an educated uh, choice about what you do. Well said. Yeah, and it, it might turn out that it's not the thing for you, and that's totally cool. Um, and also just to say that um, there are plenty of ways to have psychedelic experiences without using psychedelics. So um, holotropic breathing is something that um, has been in the psychedelic realm. So it's like, this is breathing where it's uh, essentially like sustained um, high pace breathing. So hyperventilating, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, intentional hyperventilation, which can produce some similar effects. Um, a lot of kinds of ecstatic dancing can also create psychedelic effects. Um, mm -hmm. Sustained periods of meditation can also produce those effects. Um, I personally think that travel is one of the most psychedelic experiences, like traveling to a distant land with a very different culture really? is just like that 
yeah, totally. Like when I, I, I backpacked through India for my, uh, by myself for six months and that was like the biggest trip ever, you know, just like that, that's what it is. It's like, you know, changing the way that you think, um, noticing patterns because your reality now is different from your reality before, um, you know, challenging yourself to do things that are not normal for you. Like I, I find like travel such a, such a trip, you know, like that's why they call it a trip, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> Because you go on a journey and, you know, that journey can be external or it can be internal. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. That's totally fair. I didn't think about it that way, but um, absolutely. So thanks for that. You heard it, folks. Inform yourselves. Don't be afraid. It's uh, something that if you do decide to, to try it and you've informed yourself about your yourself, about what you want to try, then enjoy it. Have a good journey. Enjoy whatever comes out of it. So um, I would like to actually know a little bit more about your podcast. Yeah, gladly, yes. gladly. Yeah, so uh, Beyond Asian Stories of the Third Culture, this is my lifelong project, which I launched in March. It's a series of personal biographical interviews with people of Asian X background. So this means like anyone who has a root of some sort in Asian culture, um, but who have also lived in multiple cultures as they've gone through life. Um, so this is what we call third culture people. Um, and this is a project that's very dear to me because I am a third culture person. I was born in China. We moved to Canada when I was six. And I grew up in in Calgary, in the western part of Canada, uh, lived there for 12 years, and then I moved to Montreal, the French-speaking part of Canada, uh, lived there for 12 years, moved back to China, um, did a bunch of traveling in between, and now I'm in Germany. And so there's just been like, for me, there's been a lot of cultural context shifts mm -hmm. in, you know, in the, the years that I've been alive on this planet. And, um, and with, you know, the constantly changing cultures comes also often this crisis of identity um, because who you are is so rooted and defined by the context in which you live in. And when you are always changing contexts, you know, your identity is always being thrown into question. You're like, who am I anyway? I'm and this person in this environment. I'm another person in the other environment. Sometimes these two environments have conflicting value systems. Like the Asian value system is, is, very often in direct opposition to the Western mm. value system and all of the, you know, internal tensions and, you know, and confusion that result from that, that's been my entire life. And so I made this series of personal interviews with other third culture Asian X people um, to understand how they've navigated their own journeys to understanding who they are, what their version of belonging means, how they understand themselves and how they're just moving through life um, to kind of, you know, help me understand myself first, but to also pass these stories on to anyone else who resonates with that, that kind of like, oh, like, why am I so different from the people around me? And um, where do I really fit in in this world? Mm -hmm. You know, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not Chinese enough to be Chinese. I'm... <laughs> Canadian, but Chinese Canadian. And here in Berlin, I'm North American, um, but people will speak to me in German or they'll assume that I'm Vietnamese. <laughs> no one will assume that I'm a native English speaker. And it's just like, you know, yeah. it's, it, there's so many different layers of it. Um, so so that's the podcast. The, the intention is to 
um, raise awareness for this notion of being third culture and specifically to also explore the connections with Asian history because so much of the the issues that um, that people like me, like Asian immigrants, um, experience have to do with the collective trauma that we've experienced from generations past, um, from you know really traumatic events like the Cultural Revolution in China, from the Vietnam War, from um, the you know from like the the Chinese Japanese War, like all the stuff that we don't think about today, but which informed our parents' generations mm -hmm. and our grandparents' generations and have therefore been passed on to us, whether we know yeah, it or not. Yeah. That's um, super interesting. Um, I remember when, when you first told me about it, I was already fascinated with the topic. So I, obviously I, I'm, I don't fall into the Asian X you know, category, but I can totally relate to the, the feeling of being, you know, from somewhere living somewhere else and then having yeah. this um uh influence here and this influence that. it's it's yeah. hard enough sometimes if you never leave where you're from if you're, if you're just born and mm -hmm. raised somewhere it's hard enough to like know who you are <laughs> yeah and if, you, yeah. if you're moving and and now you're plopped into this culture and then you're plopped into that culture and it's yeah. uh it's, it's really challenging and um i've had more than one uh occasion where i've just just sitting there just thinking and i just feel like i don't feel like i belong anywhere mm -hmm. i don't feel like i have actually a home when i think of the states it doesn't feel like home when i think of germany mm -hmm. it doesn't really feel like home either and i don't feel like i would like i could i i mean i can't walk outside and feel like i would be accepted as a german yeah so so yeah, it's yeah. it's a strange feeling that i i think um not too many people can relate to, although I guess that's growing <laughs> with globalism. That is growing. Yeah. And this is the thing is like sooner or later, most of us are going to be some kind of third culture because no one stays in one place yeah. anymore. You know, like globalization. Right. Um, and hopefully with the with the pandemic, you know, that we're only temporary, temporarily stuck where we are. Um, mm. that uh, we'll still be able to, you know, to, to travel around and, um, and live in different cultures. Because I think that's what makes life so rich is being able to access different cultures and to understand things from an insider's perspective and also understand things from an outsider's perspective and just to, like, compare what those things are. Like, it gives you such a, such a different view on the world when you've lived inside certain cultures and you perceive your home culture. Like, when I, when I went... Um, when I went to India for the first time um, and I stayed there for an extended period of time was the first time that I thought about how weird North American culture is sometimes. <laughs> um, but we never think about that because that's just our everyday, you know, yeah. like the things that we take for granted, you're like, yeah, you know, drive the car and, uh, and um, buy a whole bunch of processed food and, you know, uh, throw a whole bunch of it away. Wow. Like, what the heck? like, why are we doing this? You know, you're like, I'm in India and like standing in the middle of a slum where people are picking through the garbage piles for food. Man. And then I'm like, oh, wow, that's, per that's perspective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you often need contrast in order to gain perspective. Absolutely. That's very well said. And I think that's a good place to, uh, to, to end it for today i want to thank yeah. you so much for for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories and sharing your 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 opinions on the topic of psychedelics you know like like i said at the beginning it's a fascinating subject that uh, we're both very interested in and 
I was really, really looking forward to having you on to share uh, your perspective. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to talk about all of these things that I'm talking about all the time anyway. And <laughs> <laughs> now it's out there on the air. Awesome. So uh, yeah. check out uh, Sen's website, beyondasian.com, uh, and her podcast as well. Sen, if you have any social media or anything that you maybe want to share, go ahead. Yes, definitely. So uh, Instagram, beyond.asian, um, Facebook, Beyond Asian Stories of the Third Culture. Um, and other than that, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and a whole bunch of other ones which are on the website. And so if you look for us, we are there. Awesome. Cool. Thanks again. Send uh, best of luck with the podcast. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. And same to you. It's been so fun being here. Thank you here. so much. Man, that is awesome. Awesome stuff. Senik, you did a great job. Sen, thank you so very much for taking the time out and coming on this little humble podcast that likes to shake things up and talk talk about things that uh, maybe not always be so popular but are important and things that should be spoken about. And psychedelics is one of those one of those things for me, man. You know, it's it's kind of taboo, especially here yeah. in the states. You guys touched on it, but we got to ask ourselves: Is it taboo because it's because they don't want us to see the light? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I again, I, I agree uh, as as usual. Um, I think you hit it right on the head. Um, this is a kind of topic that, especially nowadays, uh, it's becoming more and more part of the the general discourse, and it shouldn't be ignored. Uh, it's this is like the oldest, one of the oldest things, or one of the oldest human experiences, I should say. Um, and we're still tiptoeing around whether we should, you know, familiarize ourselves with it. So yeah, thank you to Sen as well. I'm really happy that we could make that happen. And uh, I'm confident that the listeners will enjoy what she had to bring to the show. Yeah, man, she was awesome. She was great. And I hope you guys did enjoy that. Cynic, we have a new segment. That's right, we do. And it's what did we learn today? Is that what it's called? <laughs> it's a little long. <laughs> we could just call it recap. <laughs> but what did we learn today, Cynic? And I'll let you do the honors, man. You go first. What did you learn today, man? <laughs> Maybe mine's going to be a little silly, but I learned that the 60s was a lot more fun even than I thought. <laughs> there was some dude driving around in a freaking van or something with like LSD and he's just driving across country and filling up cups for these 60s uh, flower power partiers, you know, and just trucking along and just leaving like Sen called it rampage behind them it's like all these people are just tripping out on LSD I don't that know was, if I would uh, say rampage I think he was doing God's work that's what I learned baby that's what's up man I learned I learned a couple of things first thing I learned is don't take a Florida woman's AC because she will shoot you in, she will shoot you in the testicle ouch <laughs> the other thing I learned today was it just reaffirmed for me the natural way that I became curious about venturing off to psychedelics is the way it needed to happen. <laughs> you know, very similar to Sen, I was a late bloomer, you know, as, as I described before. And, um, and I think it needed to happen that way because it's all about timing and it's all about you being ready, you know. And, um, and that's one thing that I want to, you know, we have a, a small disclaimer that you guys heard at the beginning of this episode. Uh, but just to tap into that a little bit, we're, this is not to influence anybody to go no. ahead and do something 
no. that, that they don't feel they need to do. This is strictly about knowledge and we're sharing our experiences. And um, you know what they say, knowledge is power. You do with it as you wish. Uh, but in no way, shape or form are we trying to influence anybody to go ahead and do something that they don't feel uh, they should do. As she said, it may not be for you. It, it, it's not for everybody. Um, but when we talk about timing and we talk about things playing out the way they did, today's episode just reaffirmed that things played out the way they needed to for me. And that's a beautiful thing, man. Vision is a beautiful thing. I agree. I agree. Good stuff, <laughs> man. Am I hitting with the quote, Cynic? Anything else you want to add to that, my man? No, I think you, you said it well. And sometimes we just have to leave it where it is. There's no point to try and put anything on top. There's no business not beat a dead horse, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, man, here we go. Today's quote As shortcuts to spiritual and transcendent experiences, psychedelics played an important role in human evolution and galvanized prehistoric ritualistic cultures. In modern times, banning psychedelic drugs has proven to be counterproductive. Just as banning sexual activity does not stop sexual desire, outlawing psychedelic drugs does nothing to suppress the innate human urge to transcendental experiences. Besides, prohibition rarely works as we saw with alcohol or marijuana. Despite their classification and the legal hurdles around working with Schedule 1 substances in the U.S., psychedelics have undergone something of a resurgence among researchers, and for good reason. That's Alex M. Vikolov. That's such a good point. Such a good point, but I don't think people are going to ever learn. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. We're, 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 we're making small steps. We're making small steps. Hey, uh, I'm telling you, here in Denver, Colorado, Taking. man, take a trip. Yeah. yeah, Take a trip. You could take a trip in a trip. <laughs> Just saying. Just I'm on saying. a trip to go on a trip. <laughs> All right, man. Well, this is a good one, man. I hope the listeners enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot, man. It's, it's, it was really cool. Really cool digging into this a little a little deeper. Agreed. I hope everyone uh, stuck around. Episodes a little little longer than the usual this season, but uh, totally worth it. And that's why we left it. So enjoy it. Meet us here again next week. Same time, same place, same channel. Yes, sir. Take care of yourselves and each other. No stone unturned, baby. Juice. Peace.